0: This is the Search Hustle Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and share the methods, tools, and experiences that we handle every week as digital marketers working with SMBs, franchises, e commerce, and startups to help them grow their business. Why is optimizing rankings important? Search engine optimization, done correctly, can push sales, open up new markets, and give an edge over the competition. Click-through rates on a search engine result page drops from 28.5% to 2.5% to the bottom of the page. By optimizing to increase likelihood of ranking first place on first page, you can 10X your click-through rate. How to optimize for rankings. Publish relevant content. Update your content regularly. Don't duplicate content. Check your technical SEO. Create and maintain a link-worthy site. Check your mobile friendliness. Create a blog. Obviously, use keywords and user experience, user interface, basics of technical SEO. So you want to have an organized site structure. What does that mean? Your site structure needs to make sense. If I have an interior page that's called SEO or whatever your main service is, I don't also need a category named that cornerstone page and I don't also need a tag. How do I check this stuff? You're gonna wanna check this in Google Search Console. Let me take you, let me show you really quickly. So let's get into Search Console, just a random Search Console sheet here. Search.google.com slash search dash console. Pull up one of your sites. Let's pull up Nozak Consulting. All right, let's look at the domain level. You can look at the prefix too. Pull up a full report. How do I know when I have issues? let's do six months see some trend here a lot of times i'm going to pop these filters here and i might look at a page and let's just try seo i don't even even have a clue here so if i see how to use hrefs, Bing seo versus google seo how to solve px problems there's a lot of different things here that rank for just the word plus seo so i might look at my pages And so here's where I can see my site structure. You can see I'm passing through SEO, passing through SEO, passing through SEO. Now if I have that as a service page, it's gonna be incorrect. So let's take a look and trust me, we've always got incorrect things on this site. So let's look here. All right, so services, local SEO. So what we've done differently here is we've have the services as local SEO and a category as SEO. That's probably okay. When I'm looking for SEO, it's a little different than local SEO. It's all forms of SEO. And so that, that's something that I might say, okay, no problem. So we've, we're passing through an, a one-word category, SEO, but our service is local SEO. You can make variations and decisions like that. What I wouldn't want this to be is a category called local SEO because I have a page called local SEO or one of my interiors. These are things I wanna watch for. I don't want categories. I don't want tags. And so I don't want a tag that's called local SEO. I don't want a category that's called SEO. And so this is how I make sure that my site structure makes sense. And really, we've been cutting out categories for some time now. This site's kind of a version five, but it's kind of old. We're gonna update it eventually. We probably would cut SEO category out and a lot of of this could probably go right off the root. Shorter URLs, right off the root, it's all applicable. These are things and decisions that you have to make with the properties that you're building. So URL structure, the best thing is to get a document out. Prime example, you could use a, a Google Doc and let's just pull out a Google Sheet then. Here's an example, you might do home or you might say slash And then after that slash, you might say service one, service two, service three. And then we might have a level one or probably level two. So if we could call these level twos, insert above, you know, level one. Let's just call this level zero, level one. And at level one, not connected to these others, you might have a blog, which you would strike that name. But then we might have at level two, some blogs, blog one, uh, blog two. And then you might even have other things. Like this blog one also has additional blog, needed one because it's connected to this and I would actually probably create a space here. So I might say in this blog one, there's also additional blogs and I would just create a space and add more. And this is one one way to do a sitemap. There's many different ways, but I might just call this a sitemap. So let me show you how this might be fleshed out. So let's go to, um, hrefs blog. So if I go to hrefs.com slash blog, if I go back to the slash, if I kill this, that would be level zero. If I go to blog, that would be level one. So level one, I'm one click away from home. And then I get into a blog here. This would be passing through the blog, not provided, kind of weird, not provided in Google Analytics. See how nice and short that is, kind of weird. I don't like it, but here we are level two and so here would be your blog needed level blog one level two there it is and if there's an additional blog that we would link to from this blog that really hey this is an additional read connected to this but something else i might say that's an additional level but i might also say that's also a level two blog depending And so this is uh, an example site structure, and we could track this for days. A URL list is how we track it. Let me show you a true tracking sheet. Here's one example of a URL list. Now this is not showing levels. This is just kind of what the main URL is. This is one way we might look at it from a full meta audit. There's other ways we might show the URL structure. Let's look at the search hustle. And so look, here's another way. We've got the slug structure, we've got the meta title, we've got the meta description. We've got H1s, H2s, inbound links in, inbound links out, keyword target, featured image. Is it re indexed? Does it have tooltips? All of our slugs right here linked out to the structure. This is another way so that you can keep track of of all your pages on a website and make sure you're not creating pages that compete. So ensure Google can index the site. One way to always double check that is if you just go to your your website and type in your URL and robots.txt, you're going to see what pages, this is all bots, and you can look up how to speak exactly to the user agent, the spider but this is all bots. We don't want you uh, scraping or indexing our sales pages. These are our sales pages. These are squeeze pages. They're not built for SEO. They're really built to convert leads. And so we don't want them indexed. And so usually it's gonna be a very limited amount of things that we have here on the robots.txt page. Let me copy this. And so let's just keep looking here. So remove dead links, a, a tool you will very likely have to use is a screaming frog or an hrefs. If you pop into an hrefs or an SEM rush, you'll have to buy um, the program to use it. You'll be able to add projects. So these projects are where you're able to see s- scores. So when you open up one of these projects, you're gonna get all these things that are issues that need to be worked on. You'll be able to find dead links, bad links. There's also another tool that we use daily, along with a tool like hrefs. And that would be Screaming Frog. So you can spider your website. And then on this overview tab, this overview tab basically includes all of these tabs in one place. You can see it's flipping here, but I'm going to look at the overview here straight down. And this is where I'm going to check things like 404s, a lot of things I'm going to check here. But one of the things I'll look for is, is pages that are no longer, that no longer exist. Do I have pages that the the server's having a hard time with? So 5XX errors, 4XX errors are like pages that no longer exist. These are things where I want to check my links. Also down in this box, I'll be able to see URLs in links when I'm linking out to an HTTP or linking out to a page that no longer exists. This is stuff you want to manicure all the time, making sure that we're not linking out to bad resources. Screaming Frog, Ahrefs, those are really, really good resources to do those things. So look, get in the back side of your website and you're probably using uh, Yoast or Rank Math. You'll probably need one or the other. Unfortunately, this is this website is still built in Divi and it's still using Yoast. Certainly wouldn't have these two things in play if the site wasn't so huge. But if you go to your general tab here, Yoast uses the same um, sitemap. That's just their nomenclature. And so if you'll go right here to XML sitemaps and hit this question mark, see the XML sitemap. That's how you'll get this the structure. There's your XML sitemap. It's created by Yoast and Rank Math. Now that is different, an XML sitemap is different than an HTML sitemap. An HTML sitemap, so an XML is for bots, an HTML is for, um, and sorry for the tablet view here, it's just not um, hashed out for the tablet view, obviously. But if you look at this sitemap here, this is an actual page. And so this page actually has links to all the pages that exist on this website that are important. This is where users can go to quickly get to different things they need to get to. Um, That's different. HTML sitemap is for users, XML sitemap is for bots, have to have both. All right, use schema to create rich snippets. Also, let's look right here. So there's this validator.schema.org. If you'll just pull that up in Google, I think I just searched um, validate schema markup, schema checker, developers.google.com. I'm gonna schema validator, go to schema markup validator. I'll drop in a URL. Let's fetch this URL and run the test. And this is where you're gonna to wanna to check for schema markup. Schema markup is language specific to spiders, it's invisible to users, but this is where we can check our entries. There's our age entry, here's our web page, all the schema markup strictly for. Uh, bots, you're going to want to check businesses that are like yours, check their pages and see what markup they're using, what local business markup they're using, what FAQ markup they're using. You're going to want to see your top competitors, your national competitors and what schema markup they're using. And you could take it to the next level. All you got to do is first identify what's being used in the space. Make sure you include it on your site. That's a little technical. And we've got other videos kind of showing how to make some of that with schema.org. Improve thin and duplicate content. So you can you definitely use a tool like Sightliner. The great thing about Sightliner is it, it gives you some examples of thin content on your website. Thin content is really uh, confusing for the crawlers because the crawlers, like, okay, there's two pages, they look like they have about the same amount of content. Which one should I show? That's where you make it confusing. Confusing with SEO. We want to take it out of the hands of the crawlers. And so we want to have pages that are just distinct and unique. It's obvious to the crawler what page is supposed to be ranking for what keywords. So you could use tools like this to check duplicate content. Remember your headers, your footers, your side navs, they're all going to come across as common areas. And so we don't want that to go into our consideration. But look, you can see page power, which pages have the most. Internal links, online course creation, one of our big products at Nozak. And then SEO advice, business development, number two. And this kind of shows you what pages we have the most links to uh, from, from a site. And you can download these reports. You can take a look at your duplicate content. um, I'm sure there's really no duplicate content on here, but these are things that we just need to look at and see what this match percent is, get a look at it, which I don't even know what this is anymore, get a look at these things and make sure that we're not creating errors. Then if we do find something that's an error, what I might do then is take these two links, compare them in Search Console and see if they're fighting for the same keywords. So I might take a look in Search Console and that's not the right account, but I'll take a look here. I'll put the page in as a filter and I'll take a look and say, okay, are they ranking for the same keywords? Does, does Google really understand the differences between these two pages? That would be bore out in the queries that they rank for right here. I might put in the company, we'll report. And then I would just pop a page, filter it by that page, pop another page. Take a look at those keywords, so once I've popped that page filter, then I'm filtering it through that page, then I'll make sure I'm on the query view, and I'll see what queries those pages are ranking for. If they're ranking for the same two queries, then Google has no clue which ones to show, and it's actually hurting both of them. We would combine those assets and eliminate one with a rel canonical. Improve Thin, Duplicate Content. Now this isn't necessarily gonna get you an algorithmic penalty. It will really, uh, excuse me, a manual penalty. It's more of an algorithmic penalty. The algorithm doesn't know how to handle those pages. It doesn't know when to index, when to show it. And that's what we wanna eliminate is the algorithm smacking up against our content our page. Boost page load speeds. Okay, so there are tools out there, tools.pingdom is one. You can really just drop your URL in here. Let's see if we've got a URL here. Um, wherever, you know, this isn't close to where we're at, but we've got national clients over at the agency, so it really should be serving from a whole, a whole around the country. Um, GTMX is another great one because it shows you a cascade. It shows you exactly where the errors are. This is really a more technical one. If you're technical savvy, you'll want to pop this one. This is just a good quick ping though. It kind of shows you a quick load time, one second, 1.5 megabytes. That's what we tell our devs is uh, 1.5 megabytes on any given page in under one second. And now the request, we usually like this under 100. It is what it is. It's not really affecting the speed. This performance grade, we don't usually pay attention here. Well, you're usually looking at Google Lighthouse for those uh, performance grades and that's usually at the server level and a DAR server is fantastic. So, Publishing relevant content and this is really where the majority of the work is done when it comes to targeting gaps, targeting content that your competitors have, getting top of the level impressions, tofu searchers, people that will eventually turn into the middle of the funnel, mofu searches that will eventually turn into the bottom of the funnel and, and maybe convert and turn into long standing clients. So the first and primary step to optimizing a site is publishing quality content. You can't order content on Fiverr anymore. It just doesn't work. You have to have true experts, true expert writers, and and researchers. A good writer and a good researcher, I'm first going to take, you have to have a good writer, obviously, but the skill that's hard to train is the good researching. So I always try to look for great researchers because you can find people that can proofread all day long. So the researching is really the, the thing, pulling up three, four um, resources and then making one exhaustive piece that kind of covers all of the categories of those really good pieces of content that are ranking in Google. So publish relevant content, update your content regularly. And this is where we call evergreen content. This is where if you look, uh, Ahrefs again, they do it really well, but let me just, they're just super easy to kind of show you the strategy. So if you look here at the top, it's really good to have when this was published, and then usually it will switch to when it was updated since this was published recently it doesn't have an updated but this actually has markup in most um, themes it's going to have markup read by the bots. so the so the markups read by the bots so the crawler come back they've got a crawl budget on your site depending on how often you publish information and so when we have this update um, date if you right click and inspect it will actually be marked up with schema And so this tells the crawlers to come back and take a look at the content, which makes it evergreen. That's gonna help these pages win over time. It's gonna give them a history. It's gonna give them an index benefit. And it's actually gonna give us a benefit because we're not creating new URLs. We're not competing with old successful blogs. We're looking at our successful blogs and we're not saying, let's create new blogs to compete with them. We're saying, what can we add? And what can we change on those existing slugs to make them more potent and make them fight better for the for the queries that they're already winning for. Maybe they're off base and maybe they need to be eliminated. This is manicuring your website and it takes time so we're updating content regularly. And then don't duplicate content. Let's look at this website. It's a really good website out there um, in the franchising space. These guys do a lot of things right and we know they're one of their agencies. Um, really well. So let's look at locations. So when you're a franchisee, you buy a piece of, you you buy the brand, the, the use of their brand and their tools and their turnkey model, immediately you're going to get a location page. This is, so look, I'm passing down through locations and let's just look at Oklahoma. And so now it's passing through a nomenclature of okay, and then let's look at Tulsa. So now it's Tulsa carpet cleaning. It's locations, okay, Tulsa carpet cleaning. It's geo modified main service carpet cleaning. And then if you'll look, there's also other pages that you'll get access to because these are gonna be specific user intent. And so we need to have those pages to rank for those specific users intents. So when we're creating pages and you need to have multiple location pages you're going to want to write those pages uniquely now of course you're going to have a way you want to speak about your brand so it's really important to not just flip the slug and like the geo modifier it's really kind of important to have a writer go through that and rewrite the page so it comes across to the bots as a unique page I don't recommend using an I/O scrambler, even though they've become—they've actually gained some good credibility. Um, in the past, they've been penalized. In the past, Google actually would manually penalize the use of those types of scramblers. They are kind of being used better now. I still like the human component, the human human element. Have a good writer take your you know five or six versions and keep writing versions of it so it come across it comes across as unique you're you're making your slugs unique you're making your geo modifiers unique and the content comes across as unique now that's an example of how we get past the duplicate content issues. They have a different purpose for a geo-modified page. You have to be cautious. There are examples that I would need to cover if you have a a question that can come across as duplicate pages, like having an SEO page and a local SEO page. That makes sense. A local SEO page and a local SEO category doesn't make sense. Or a a SEO page and and an SEO blog page doesn't make sense. That may come across as duplicate content. If we're focusing on different things, we would then want to modify the, uh, the title. So if we have a, um, a cornerstone page, or a main interior, or a service that's called SEO, or whatever your service is, we really wouldn't want to have a blog just called Plumbing. We might have a, a blog called Plumbing for Factories, Plumbing for Small Businesses. We want to modify it lightly, so that if I'm a small business owner, and I'm like a small business plumber, I really would like them to get to the page that's really specific to them. I can have those. And, and inside my site, I would make sure my anchor texts are always explaining the difference. If I ever anchor to plumbing for small businesses, my anchor is plumbing for small businesses. If I'm just anchoring throughout the site to plumbing, I always use that shorter plumber plumbing anchor to the main plumbing page. There's ways you can you can do that. Don't duplicate content. Duplicate content poses the risk of getting a site algorithmically penalized. That's by the search engines. Every time Google pops out, a new algorithm changed, something changes. You you don't want your site to be in the bad graces of the algorithms. Um, This isn't them looking at your site and saying, you're, you know, individually penalized. This is really staying in the good graces of how they're changing their software. We understand they don't want duplicate content in their search engine. So we're creating high quality, unique content, pages that, that serve a purpose for a unique user's intent. What was that searcher's intent? does this page, if I've got two pages, are they both trying to satisfy that same user's intent? That probably should be one page. Is there two individual user intents for these two pages? Cool. We can have two different pages, but we also need to be careful inside of our site using specific anchor text, using a slug structure that makes sense, making sure our meta titles, our meta descriptions, our H1s and H2s are unique and make sense for those two individual pages. The technical SEO, we've covered some of it, but technical... Technical SEO is the process of optimizing a site to make crawling and indexing easier for bots. Bots are that piece of the algorithm. Their software sends out these spiders, spider the web so that your information, your pages can be indexed in their software. Google is the software. As well as creating a web structure that is friendly to search engines. That's when we talked about having that site structure that makes sense, using URLs that make sense. So things we're going to be paying attention to, URL structure. This is where you want to put it in a document. You want to track everything you inherit. If you uh, are a marketing manager that comes into a business that already has a super robust website, there has to be a URL document to show you what blogs exist so that you're not creating additional blogs that just walk all over blogs that are already existing. So you have to have access to Google Analytics, Google Search Console, a document of historical pages that are winning and maybe not winning at all. What's indexed, what's re-indexed, what the internal link structure looks like. You need to inherit all of this and if you don't have that, you have to start here. You have to start tracking and uh, documenting everything that exists before you start. Oh, I've got a great strategy. It may already exist. So URL structure, have it documented. Know exactly what's going on. Ensure indexing can occur. That's where we're going to look at the robots.txt. We're going to make sure it's not hidden by uh, from the from the crawlers. You'll look at things through. Google Search Console, make sure there's no indexing errors there. Screaming Frog, you'll pick up 404 errors there. Ahrefs, you'll pick up 404 errors there. Google Lighthouse can help you with speed and indexing issues. This is exactly where you'll find Google Lighthouse. If I just crack open a website, hit right click and inspect, it's gonna open up the Google tools. If I click over here, uh, this double caret here, there's your Lighthouse. You pop Lighthouse open and you, Don't need to look at the web app, but you want to check for mobile or desktop. Then you hit generate report and it shows you all the things that you need to fix right here. This is a great audit to start. If if you need an audit or a place to start making some changes, this is a great audit. Super free. It's easy. Tells you kind of what Google's looking for. Create an XML sitemap plus an XML sitemap. I showed you those things. Those are two different sitemaps. One is for an end user that can find everything on your site. The XML is different. It's for bots and that's the one that inside Google search console, that's the one that we submit. So if you get inside of a... A search console here. Um, you might scroll down here to legacy tools, international targeting. Um, actually, you have to be in at the prefix. So, if I show you the prefix, you can look at your sitemap. Right here's your sitemap. Is the sitemap sent through and index correct? That's where you would submit it. If it isn't, you would submit it here just the end after the trailing slash. And then your legacy tools, you're also making sure that your Targeting U.S. servers, and then you would hit save if it's not two things you want to set up in your search console. But that's why you have that XML sitemap set up with either Yoast or Rank Math or even another plugin called XML sitemap, or you can build it from scratch, no issues. And then you'd submit that submit that XML sitemap to the Google search console, not the HTML sitemap. That's just a uh, a set of links and what's on the other side of those links. It also helps you to. Inc- to decrease your link depth. We usually wanna have pages less than three clicks away from the home, right? If I go to your blog and then I have to hit next, three, four, five times, you're starting to get too far from the crawl depth of your site and you're making it weird for users to find that content. And if that content was really successful organically, we certainly wanna link to it from our newest blogs, link to our newest blogs from our oldest blogs and create this link structure where where the bots, when they crawl your site, Crawl those anchor texts and those, um, those links and get down to those pages one, two clicks away from the home. If the crawler has to get through that next to get to that blog roll three, four, five times, consider those pages orphans. Consider them really not in the index unless historically they've been successful, they're already in the index. It's, st- it's still risky. I want to always increase my links, my internal links down to those successful pages improve load times of pages and in- end of images. This is where you're going to check Google Lighthouse. You'll check Screaming Frog, check the sizes of your images. If the image is over 100 KB, you're making a mistake. Unless you're a photography company, then the rule of thumb is you have to look at the trade-off between quality and size. Sometimes they have to be 150 KB, sometimes 200 KB, but I can't serve a bunch of those because now the page becomes super slow and hard to, to serve. Especially if someone's down in a valley, they're on their cellular data, um, the speed's not that fast, what's more important, them to be able to pull up your stuff, or for you to have high quality images on that page? It's certainly more important for them to be able to pull up your stuff, or else you have no chance of getting a client. So there's always a trade-off between high quality images and page speed, and you always want to pay attention to how many images you're serving, each one's a call. And you want to pay attention to those sizes the file names the title the alt text these are all technical seo things improved load times international websites you're going to have to use this language here Um, won't cover that in depth here create and maintain a link worthy site how do we do this we use white papers We give people our knowledge. We don't white knuckle our knowledge. You share it. You don't give away your secret sauce. And there's very little things that really are secret sauce. If anybody's really looking for something, they can very likely find it on the web. So why don't we come across as that company that's trying to educate people, give away some knowledge, help them with DIY related things that really they can do on their own. They're going to do them anyway. They're going to look for the information to do it themselves anyway. Why don't we give them that stuff? And that way, they can use us on projects that they really can't handle. This is link-worthy material. Creating large content—not 500-word documents, but thousand-word documents, two thousand-word pages, five thousand-word pages—that that cover everything in depth, not. Overly wordy and um, but concise content, information that's like, wow, uh, you know, these H2s are are sections of content that I have to read, I want to read, I want to consume, and we're breaking it up with H2s and H3s so that it's not just one textbook. People don't read website material like it's a textbook. That's why we use our H2s and H3s and we use white space because the eyes get tired when they read. But we want to have that exhaustive material if somebody does want to read all of that this is link worthy, mobile friendly. Certainly, um, obviously you can see on those on at consulting website, nobody cares about the tablet. What, what do you get? Eight views a, a week. It certainly is a good thing to do to, to set your tablet view, but nobody's buying on a tablet. Usually there are some exceptions and you'll have to take a look in your Google analytics. If you're getting conversions through the tablet, you certainly need to optimize for the tablet. The majority of people will be mobile and desktop but Google is indexing your website against your mobile view. So if you're trying to make your mobile view streamlined, clean, and simple, you remove all that text material that's on your desktop, I'm sorry, but you just removed everything that the bots are trying to index you against. So it's important to either accordion it, you know, you can close it into an accordion so that it's there. Accordions, once were were not appreciated by bots, now that we do mobile view first, it's actually okay. You can put it in drop downs. Um, you just have to have that content there in your mobile view, so that Google really understands what that page is. It can't just be on your desktop. Even though a lot of people are, you know, going to desktop, they're at work or they're home, they're doing some research. That's maybe really where they want to do some reading. You can't kill it for mobile friendly. At the same time, you have to check your images, your videos, your viewports, your tap targets. Make sure it's not too small. The text is large enough. Like the font, the body font should be like 17, no less than 17. If I'm trying to click two things or too close, that's a tap target area error. You can look look in Google Lighthouse for a lot of these errors. Um, Ahrefs is also going to, you know, give you these errors. I'm sure SEM Rush does too. We don't use that tool. Uh, There are a lot of tools that are going to check your mobile friendliness, create a blog. This is where you have to write additional content, right? You've got your homepage and then you've got your interiors, your main cornerstone pages, your services, and then you might have a resource page. And if you're an e-commerce, you're going to have product pages. But then the blog allows you to cover a, a wider array of topics and they help you to rank in uh, larger impression loads when people are just looking generically you want to be the authority you really do for that inbound marketing for that that pull marketing not not really pushing but we're pulling people that thought leadership style of marketing that seo web development digital footprinting all handles you really do need to cover as many topics as you can and not cannibalize with topics that cover the same thing, but really pay attention to make sure that they work on their own and they don't compete with other pages. Granted, there's always going to be some competition between blog posts, but that's why we're, we're tracking it over time. We're paying attention over time. So use keywords. You have to have keyword research. You're going to use tools like um, Ahrefs, SEMrush, Google uh, Keyword Planner is a great place. You're looking through uh, Google Trends. You're looking at uh, Google image search up at the top where you can see the categories. You're using tools like Buzzsumo. Uh, Taking a look here at the beginning of the software, you might look at topics. This is a great place to see the keyword cloud. You can also drop plumbing into, H, uh, into answer the public. It will tell you all the questions that are ever asked. You can drop it into Ahrefs and really f- use their software to show you related terms, things like that. You can look in search console and see what pages you have against it. That rank against. there's so many different tools that you can create slices information, uh, of information and help you understand what pages you have, what pages you need, what pages need to be improved and what your competitors have. There's so much information that you can gain from your competitors as well. So use your keyword research, you have to. And then user experience, right? Making sure that your users can use the page on the desktop, use the page on the mobile, and that when you're scrolling through every page somebody has to physically look through these pages on a iphone on an android and then you're going to also look in your google analytics and see what the users are using and what the bounce rate differences are there's a really good uh, way to check the experience on different devices it's google analytics devices take a look at the devices over time and see if any of those devices have a larger bounce rate this is one way to say hey We need to go back and look at our uh, web property on this device, a great way for conversion rate optimization to immediately pick up traffic that could have converted, but we just don't have the user experience set well. So there's your user experience, faster load times, appropriate meta titles, appropriate content against the keyword and the user's intent for that keyword using your meta descriptors correctly, using your H1s and your H2s correctly, using Imager correctly, linking out to additional content that they may want to read, linking vertically to help them get into a funnel. Hey, maybe they wanted to learn about it and now they're ready to buy. Make sure we make it easy to buy with great CTAs, tap targets on the mobile that like fat fingers can get to, making sure that it's easy to read and that we have high contrast on text. We're not going to put black text over a gray background, we're gonna put black text over a white background, not using busy images behind text, right? When I'm trying to read, I don't wanna be also trying to look at the image behind it, aligning it to the left, because when we read, we read we start back at the left, right? You, you see text oftentimes, middle adjust it, and like our eyes aren't set to go you know, find that new line, our eyes are set to go back to the, the far left. And so be mindful of that because it, it's, it looks pretty, but it's actually much harder to read if you've ever tried to read it. It's really annoying to read. Pay attention to the user experience. How do we do that? You'll use things like Hotjar. You'll use things like Full Story. You'll watch those videos and see how people are interfacing it. See see where they're dropping off the page. See where it looks like they wanted a CTA. See what they've read, but then you lost them. Maybe we need to retool that language. You can use things like Google Optimize. Just Google search for Google Optimize. You can A-B test pages for free. There's so many different ways to optimize your rankings. Thanks for listening to the Search Hustle podcast. If you're interested in learning more about digital marketing, and taking your knowledge to the next level, be sure to check out searchhustle.com, where we've got tons of free content, stuff that we use every week to market businesses, as well as our in-depth digital marketing course. Start your Search Hustle today at searchhustle.com.